When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The Buck Off Podcast with Lane Grant. Hosted by Christopher Rennie and joined by Jordan Williams. Welcome everybody, this is your host, Christopher Rennie, bringing another episode of the Buck Off Podcast with Land Grant, Holy Land, and as always, I'm joined today by Jordan Williams. How are you doing today, Jordan? Um, not as good as I should be. I should be, you know, very happy and excited. There's football on uh, Coastal versus App State's a great game. But we have to talk about Northwestern. So there's no way I could be that good having to sit here for over an hour and, and think of some things to say about this just down bad program. How are you? Yeah, I, I'm also in the same boat. I'd say uh, the reason I am okay with this is I'm just going to appreciate the fact that we have another football game with Ohio State participating on Saturday. Uh, I, I mean, this is – Northwestern, to put it lightly, is not a very good football team. And Ohio State is a very good football team. So I'm just appreciating it. This is, what, game nine? Uh, we only have so many more. So got to enjoy these ones as much as the other ones uh, because Absolutely. football – I, I was just thinking about this before the show started because I was reading all like the Ohio State basketball scrimmage articles and all that stuff um, just because then I'm like, oh, no, college basketball is in the news cycle. That means Ohio State and college football season is like Ohio State's football season and the college football season are almost over. <sighs> That's the worst. I did my um, my two-thirds review, and I'm just like, man – there's really only four games left. Like, we're eight games into the season. That's unfortunate. It's, like, very, very, very unfortunate. Yeah, it's weird. The season's honestly flown by. Uh, the storylines have been up and down. And, you know, at the end of the day, Ohio State's won every game by more than 10 points. So, it's like, it's just been good so far. So, It's Northwestern. Uh, We've got a lot to say about Northwestern. It's not necessarily good, uh, but we are going to have a serious Northwestern report. Uh, This was also something weird I noticed. It felt like, you know, I know the team's taking it really seriously, but the amount that Ryan Day got into in his presser bullets into his weekly radio show, like how much Jim Knowles was willing to talk. I, I felt like the vibe 
was a little bit more relaxed than it has been in recent weeks. And it's crazy the answers that were given. There were some long, well-thought-out answers by Ryan Day. And then there were some that still you know, left some questions to be answered, and we're going to try to answer them today. But I just thought the vibe. It feels very much like Ohio State knows they have to win this game. Or, well, they obviously have to win it, but they know that they have to take this game seriously. But it's hard for them. Yeah, it's basically just like they know that, like, they know that there's nothing that Northwestern can do that forces them to lose this game. And uh, that is very true. Yeah, and some people might be listening and say, that's a dangerous place to be at head state-wise, you know. Uh, But... I think this team, I think the actual players are going to take it plenty serious, you know. They still have awards to win. They still have records they want to set. They still have money they want to go get in the NFL. And bad performances against Northwestern don't help you with that. No. And within reason, I understand that any given Sunday, any given, you know, kind of thing. But this is just, this is a team, I've watched them play, that is incapable of beating Ohio State. Devin Brown could win this game for us. They're incapable of winning a game on American soil. Yeah. To put it in perspective, they haven't won a football game in the United States in over a year. And their one win was in Ireland against Scott Frost. So is that really a win? No, because as I've said before, Scott Frost was tanking because he wanted his extra I forget the numbers now. I'm so happy not to be talking it's about like Scott seven Frost. And a half million extra, dollars. That's what it was, his extra seven and a half million dollars. And personally, am I mad at him for tanking? No. Because I would have wanted my extra seven and a half million dollars too. So it's he pretty, let Northwestern it's, win. It, off topic, it's pretty dumb to put a you know, buyout like I, what's it called? Like the tier to tear it down one another year in the middle of a season. You really think about it. Yeah. That's, that's like really, really bad. Cause like, why, what, what motivation did he have to win football games? He didn't have any Ooh, did. win football games and get fired at the end of the year, lose and get extra seven and a half million dollars and get an early vacation when it's still warm outside. Yeah, you know, one is much better than the other. Yeah, Scott Frost can end up on TV. He'll be fine. He's got $15 million in the bank. He's got more money. He should have more money in the bank than that even. But uh, And someone's going to hire him again. Like when one of these like when one of these coaches gets a a big job, right, someone's going to hire him at – I think you level, level something like that. Or like, you know, do someone's rehabilitation program and, and become an yeah. offensive coordinator. Like he's going to get a job. Yeah, yeah. Um and I kinda I think that's a good segue into the first conversation for Northwestern. What Pat Fitzgerald, man, you know, I think he was one of the most well respected coaches throughout like the two thousand tens. Northwestern's not an easy place to win football games. They're like historically one of the worst programs in the country. But recently, they've gone from that kind of feisty little guy in the Big Ten West to a little bit of a doormat and a very um, low-quality football team. And I, I think it's time, you know... The, the university is investing a lot into their football team. They're investing a lot into their athletics. 
it, it, it's time to look inward and say, hey, like we know you've reached probably the pinnacle of what you can at Northwestern. Is that something that we could consistently expect? Or are we going to have to like put some pressure on you to get or, or get you out? I, I think the biggest thing, because I have a lot of reasons, but the first thing I want to say, because I want to make sure I forget it, the past and in the Big Ten and in college football in general, the past no longer matters. And the past doesn't matter because college football is changing. And there are multiple years that in a 12-team playoff, Northwestern had a chance of making it in. That is no longer the case. The Big Ten is most likely getting rid of divisions. And even if they don't, they're going to shift freaking Illinois, who maybe should already be in the East, over to the East and like another school. And they're going to put UCC and UCLA in the West if they don't get rid of divisions because they're not going to do leaders and legends again. And Northwestern is going to have absolutely no shot of ever winning the Big Ten West ever again. And if there's no divisions, they're going to have a strong, they're going to have a tough time even getting to a bowl game because they're not better than Rutgers. And Rutgers is the worst program in the East. So. It's not about what he's done. Build the stat, fire him, and then build the statue. Because his past is great, but all of these programs need to look at their coach and say, "What are you bringing us in the future? Can you make us competitive in an essentially round robin schedule when we're going to have to play Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan? Actually, no, screw those two. When we're going to have to play Maryland, Michigan State, and Rutgers more often than when we play them now, we're not going to get to pick on Illinois, which you can't pick on Illinois anymore because they're good too. Like, you have to consider the future. And since the conference is changing, the expectations need to change. And the thing is, he is not going to do anything for their future. And that is point blank period. And we can get into some other stuff about how he's not even doing what he used to do. But at bare minimum, is he someone that can lead this team into a divisionless Big Ten, into games against USC, UCLA, more games against Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, into a 12-team playoff? And nobody in their yeah. right mind can say yes to any of that. Yeah, I, I absolutely do not think they could do that. And I, I just think, you know, in, in an era where there's probably more money in the sport than ever before, like – Northwestern's boosters, like I already mentioned, put hundreds of millions into a new football stadium. They had already put hundreds of millions into their new athletic complex with a football field in it right on the lake. There's going to be more money coming in. And I I think we've talked about this quite a bit. Like, this needs to raise the level of everybody in the conference. You know, if you have the extra money, it's not something just to pocket. It's something to reinvest. And... You know, we've seen success at academic institutions, Northwestern in the past, like with Pat Fitzgerald. A couple other coaches have had short-term success. Uh, Stanford, you know, their era with Harbaugh was incredibly effective, the beginning of David Shaw. UCLA is not an easy place to recruit. We've seen how Chip Kelly's turned it around and got momentum going there. Uh, And then Georgia Tech, another team that's struggling. So there is warrant to the – academic challenges but then again the right coaches figure it out and i'm not like i'm I'm fresh on to this like pat fitzgerald needs to start elevating his program he needs to start getting back to that and i don't know if it's comfortability he makes a lot of money he's at a place where everyone loves him 
the alumni base is paying him a ton of money to stay because they don't want him to take the Bears job. Well, you know what? I think he's coached himself out of uh, the Bears job. I think he's coached himself out of some of these big opportunities. And I think for Northwestern to be successful, they need to start respecting themselves a little bit and holding Pat Fitzgerald accountable for these seasons. Like, Northwestern has not been good recently. And even with the random trips to the uh, – Big Ten Championship, uh, it's it's not it's not enough if you really look back at it. Like, how would it feel at another program if you were either really good or terrible? You know, and it's not even really good. Like, they made the championship at nine and five was their final season record. Uh, they had a seven. That's wrong. That, that's oh yeah. In the COVID year, seven and two is what it looks like for them. Uh, trying to think, doing math. I hate doing reading on the show or doing math. Uh, we've got five and seven, five and seven, ten and three, seven and six, ten and three, nine and five, three and nine, seven and two, three and nine. And now you've won one game, and it was against a terrible uh, Nebraska team. And you're telling me that that's enough and maybe he'll turn it around next year but I don't see how he can and I, I don't see the Big Ten West this is like the lowest the Big Ten West has been in a while Illinois is like probably the only real team on that side of the conference at this point so I, I just don't know where Northwestern is at with Pat Fitzgerald and I don't know why they're so committed to him yeah yeah <laughs> It's, it's the good old boy, he's one of us kind of things. And it's like, that's cool, I guess. But that's not doing anything for you in the future. like that, And that's the thing. Like, I get what he's done in the past, but that's what I'm going to keep saying. And I'm not going to you know, keep repeating myself on here. Nobody wants to hear that. This is a future-focused conversation. You need to be prepared for what is next. Build the statue and let him go. Like, um, and it's just like, I, like I said this and someone argued with me. I don't think he's trying. I just don't think he's trying at all. And it looks like it on the field. It looks like it, it does look like it. I don't, uh, I don't think this is a new computer. I don't have my pick six on here. I want to, um, oh, do I have it in my group in my Gmail? I need to find my pick six because it is, uh, just disgusting what they've done. Um, at recruiting. And the thing is, here's the thing that made them endearing, right? He would maintain a little bit and then struggle, whatever. But then as soon as he got seniors, he would develop them and he would have four or five seniors get drafted. At least one or two of them would be top 50 picks, something like that. Think of um, Newsom, I think was his name. Uh, think yep. of the offensive tackle, who uh, Rashawn Slater. Like the list goes on and on of these of these guys that he had. And now someone who clearly just didn't know what they were talking about because tried to challenge me on this. They're like, oh, they're a young team. No, they're not. 
No, they're not. Everyone no, they're that's not. playing on this team was playing during the COVID year. That was two seasons ago. This is their third season. They have older guys than that. Peter Skronanke, uh, his first season was a COVID season. Um, they're not a young team. This is juniors, seniors, and fifth-year guys who have extra time because of the COVID and stuff. This is the time for them to be good. So he's not even following his own trend. He's not developing anymore. His seniors aren't good. There's one person on that team who is an eligible draft pick of all of their older guys, and it's the guard. Well, he's a tackle, but he's going to play guard. He's going to be a guard, yeah. Skaronsky. It's, it's just like they're not disciplined anymore. You remember when Justin Fields threw like a million interceptions because all they did was sit in the zone and be in the right place all the time and break on the ball. They never missed a tackle. Justin had Fields a had to make some of the – he had to make some of the hardest throws of his life against that team and he threw a bunch of interceptions and sure we won but we won because of a running back they don't tackle they don't know their responsibility I remember watching them against Nebraska I still don't know how they won that game because Nebraska's wide receivers were running wide open you know how they won that game yeah you're right I do because they didn't know where they were supposed to be like it's just like there's nothing positive about this team right now Yeah, and that's why it's hard. Like, it's hard to get up for this show. It's hard to get excited for it. You know, even Iowa had, like, some tasty storylines. Like, oh, this defense could challenge Ohio State potentially. Penn State's obviously Penn State. Like, if you told me three years ago where Northwestern would be right now, I honestly wouldn't believe you. You know, you could have maybe told me that they had two, like, bad years in a row. But to get as low as this, you know – They've really struggled to figure out the quarterback. You know, for a while they had, like, sneaky good quarterbacks, Trevor Simeon, uh, what was his name, Peyton Thor, Thorson, right? Clayton Thorson? Uh, Clayton, yeah. Yeah, Clayton. Uh, he was pretty good. Like, they had guys, and they had them for a long time. Uh, all the way back to, like, I remember Kane Coulter for the Bosa days. Like, they always just had a sneaky good quarterback who'd manage games well. They've really struggled at finding a quarterback. They've struggled to find dynamic playmakers at receiver. And it's not even, like, dynamic. It's, like, mostly just some level of consistency out of that group. And then, you know, defensively, it's definitely uh, not an NIL-focused school, which is going to hurt them a lot, But I, which I don't understand. They've got so much money. It probably wouldn't be too hard. No, uh, the amount of doctors. Built, they literally built an $800 million stadium with no money from the state, the government, or the school. Just straight boosters. Well, okay, they, they didn't build. They're going to build $800 million. Just straight donations. That's it. Think just about this. Asking people for money. When I was in school and they played Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship game, the Alumni Association donated enough money to bust every single Northwestern student who wanted to go to the game. So the entire Northwestern school was there. Like all 6,000 students. Free bus tickets. And I'm honestly pretty sure they paid for the Big Ten game tickets. Probably. You're telling me they can't can't set up an NIL fund. Uh... I guess so. There's obviously the one reason they struggle is the academics, right? And then Illinois is not necessarily the greatest football state. But when you're an academic powerhouse, 
your job isn't to live in your own backyard. It isn't to live in the neighborhoods around Evanston and the neighborhoods around Chicago. You're supposed to be a national recruiting base that goes and gets the smartest, most talented football players across the country. And that is, you know, not what they do. Yeah, no, not at all. And I I just, someone said that I was wrong or whatever, being a bully or whatever, but I just, I really don't think they're trying. And I don't know how you can, can, how you can believe otherwise. Yeah. And I don't know how you can convince me otherwise. This is, this is one person's opinion, right? But this is their position ranks according to Pick Six Preview. Quarterback 13, which is wrong. They have the worst quarterback in the league. Running back eight, also wrong now that we've seen it. Wide receiver tight end 14, offensive line 13, D line 11, linebacker seven, DBs 14. The two out of the one, two, three, four, five, six, they did seven positions. Two out of the seven positions are double digits. Uh, sorry, two out of the seven positions aren't double digits. Four out of the seven are 13th or 14th in the league. Like, that is yeah. horrid. They're exactly horrid. where they belong in the standings. It and just, it, it is, does not get worse than that. <laughs> you've got Minnesota playing well. You've got Wisconsin. You know, they're struggling, but it's not like like they've shown flashes this year where they probably aren't going to be down for long. Um, you know, just going through the Big Ten West, like Iowa, you know, as annoying as they are, they're not just going to go away. They're just going to be annoying Iowa for as long as they keep the Ferences employed. Um it's going to be tough to get back to the top, a lot tougher than it was three years ago when it was really just Northwestern and Wisconsin. Like, the rest of the Big Ten West has invested heavily in football. You've seen it. And, oh, yeah, a dead example. Purdue's a smart person school as well. They have limited programs because they're a science school. So you're telling me Jeff Brom's coming in and doing that much significant better of a job than Pat Fitzgerald at this point, you know, five years in or whatever he is. There's only possibly one school. I don't even think there's a school at Northwestern's level in the Big Ten right now. Like, Rutgers is invested enough to clear them. So, it's really, what do you want to be? Do you still want to be the bottom feeder of the Big Ten? And, I, I don't know, we've had an angry conversation about this. I don't uh, think it's angry. Uh, okay, I might be angry. I'm, I'm pretty like, angry about it, honestly. <laughs> I'm getting more angry. angry. I just, <laughs> I just think it's true. Like, but that's, but that's the problem, Chris. Why are we angry about it? Because we like, want why, good like, football. Why are we angry it's such about bad it? football. Why aren't they? It's, it's why we're angry about Brian Ferentz. Like, it is not and fun I to be a part of. Like, I, I should not have to. Yeah, and that's the thing. I I bet you there are a lot of Northwestern fans who are frustrated, but then they, you know, take that lean back and like, ah, you know what? Us and Pat, we've had some good times. Let them ride it out. And, you know, odds are we're going to talk like this. They're going to go like eight and four next year. They're not. I promise you they're not. And I know they're not because there's nothing positive happening in that program. There's not a single good player. Like, there have been multiple years where you could point – like, Peter Skronaki, you could point to him and say he was going to be a guy. Brandon Joseph, you could point to him. You're right. I can't name a guy. 
single person. Their quarterback looks decent, but who's he throwing to? There's not a single person on that team that's young that you could say two, three years, he's going to be the player that leads them to eight wins. So it's not going to happen. They're going to be dog crap, just, just bottom tier. I genuinely believe if they don't make a change, they're not going to go to another bowl game. Because okay, everyone's yeah. better. Who are they going to beat? You can't beat up on Illinois no more. You can't beat up on Purdue anymore. You're not better than Nebraska. You don't play Rutgers in Maryland consistently, but you're definitely not better than Maryland. And at best, what do you split the series with Rutgers? Didn't Rutgers just beat them with their backup quarterback? Or no, Maryland, be- Maryland is beating you with their backup quarterback. Yeah. No, what? You're and that where, down bad that Maryland's leading you with a freshman quarterback. That's where it comes back to like the not trying. Like that shouldn't be the case if you're going to be a competitive Big Ten team. And it, it's 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 tough because it feels like you know. I remember so I, I started Buck off like my first year was when they played. Northwestern on the road, not in the Big Ten Championship, just plain old on the road. And I remember everyone was talking about the long grass and how it was going to slow Ohio State down and like equalize the game. Ohio State went out of 152 to 3. And that was when Northwestern wasn't terrible. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. I, I said this multiple times, so it's probably not funny anymore. But I was like, I just feel like Northwestern should – like after watching Iowa put up 33 points on offense with no defensive touchdowns, just feel like Northwestern should call this game off and cite player safety. Just forfeit. Like what are we doing? Like why are you why are you going to spend 60 minutes yeah. on – Kent State would be better on the field with Ohio State right now. Yeah. And we saw that against yeah. Georgia. But like – just, you know, I, don't I, mean, know I know. I know. People are going to tell us. People are going to sit here. You know, we'll probably get some responses. Hey, you know, anything can happen on Saturdays. And I'm like, this team is too in- intrinsically motivated to lose to Northwestern. They will either hand the ball off 35 times to Brian Williams or Travion Henderson and do what they did with Trey Sermon, or CJ Stroud's going to throw 500 yards if they have to. And that is. Not even the best case scenario. The best case scenario is they just, you know, go out and take care of business. But they're going to win this game. They're just more talented. They're a better team. And it's it's probably, like, at worst, going to look like the Arkansas State game. I think it's going to be worse than that. Arkansas State had a couple <laughs> players. Yeah. Yeah, and you're right. I don't think like Ohio State's going to get up for this because the last time they played them was in a Big Ten championship game. So even if we don't respect them, they're going to respect them. Yeah, and Ohio State could not. Ohio State could pull out. I, I genuinely believe the freshman team. You know, like uh, Hero Canoe, Caden Curry, Devin Brown. Um, uh, Kojo Antwi, like all those guys, maybe not the fresh. Like you'd have to keep the starting offensive line. I just don't even know if we have enough of the freshmen. But like, I think the freshmen at skill positions could win this game. Yeah, the, no, I well, think so. Throw in CJ Hicks and, and them guys, Sunny Styles, like they'd win this game. Yeah, and like I remember, what was it? The Penn State game. We had a lot of fun, like saying who would start here, uh, which player on. Northwestern would be on the roster. 85 scholarships. 
who would be on scholarship? That's the real question. Uh, Peter Skoranke would, but like he would be a guard. He wouldn't play tackle here. Uh, he wouldn't he, play. I over, Next year, you know, maybe he stays in school because it's not bad. He looks for some greener pastures, you know. I'm not I'm not saying no to it. But you're right, he would play guard. Um, may, maybe not next year, but we still don't know everybody else. So um, I'm just trying to think. I'm just trying to think of some positives we could say about Northwestern. I'll start there in the Big Ten. That's good for them. Uh, it's not really great for everybody else. Uh, he's uh, uh, they have they have two quarterbacks. Uh, they had Hillinsky and what's their new guy's name? I was I was talking about him earlier today because I was like, man, I don't know. I don't he didn't look like, any better though. He just looked different. No. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's like he 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 was there. He played. Do, um, do they still have Bowser? Play. Bowser? Uh, I don't know. I don't. I really don't know. Um, I liked him. What? I thought he was pretty good when he played. Oh what yeah, this team got beat forty-two to seven by Wisconsin, and thirty-three to thirty. We already said that one, but still, like seeing it pop up is like a little shocking. I think, I think his name is Brendan Sullivan. Brendan Sullivan. That's right. Uh, I was listening to a podcast earlier, like the most forgettable name on the planet, Brendan Sullivan. <laughs> <laughs> look at it. Look at evidence. I, I did not remember it. Uh, yeah, can you imagine losing to uh, Iowa by thirty-three? Like giving thirty-three points up to Iowa. Absolutely and then not. Seeing Ohio State's offense next on the calendar. I'm saying they need to call off the game for player safety. Just like, why are we doing this to us? Oh uh, yeah. So one of the writers for the Dispatch wrote an article about one of the presser takeaways for them. Uh, Colin Gay of the Columbus Dispatch. Uh, I'm trying to find the quote. I'm trying to find it. Um, where was it? Very confident. The secondary. Uh, let me. Oh, there it is. AJ Hampton Jr. Everybody's praising these guys. Everybody wants these guys to do good. Hampton said. They haven't faced us yet. They haven't faced me. They haven't faced Cam Mitchell. They haven't faced any of our secondary. Um, and I, I, I when I first read this, oh, they're one of their defensive backs, AJ Hampton Jr. They said that about Ohio State. Yep. Did you see what just happened with Iowa? I just, I, okay, yeah. I just, mean, I understand okay, right. a, a player's never. <laughs> going to lack confidence uh, and I respect it and you know what's funny is Pat Fitzgerald said we're going to have to do a lot of things right on Saturday uh, for this to go our way and that's basically a coach saying <laughs> you're going to have to do a lot of things right for it not to be a 70 point blowout <laughs> like, you have to do a lot like of things only, right to get a field goal the only thing that could help them is like a torrential downpour, and even then, you just just hand the ball off to mine. He he seems like the guy who's built to play in the rain. I don't know, man. Oh yeah, uh, they're gonna have to face uh, Hercules this week. Chip train him. Ryan Day wants to get him a lot of reps. Uh, so that's I'm in, I'm excited. I, I'm gonna I'm excited to see what he does with the ball in his hands when he doesn't have to catch it. That's what I'm yeah, excited for this game. 
that's going to be interesting. I don't want him to be too good. I, actually, it doesn't matter because I don't know that he was really going to play much at linebacker. Um, and mine could leave next year, so it could be like a three-way position for that that back yeah. of running back or whatever. Uh, um, I'm gonna. I'm, I'm my bold prediction for the show. I'm calling this game the Chip Trainum game right now. And if he scores a touchdown, we're gonna do a where Chris is right segment next week. <laughs> Listen, I feel like uh, I could score a touchdown this game. Yeah, uh, honestly, uh, it's on. This is let's evaluate this. If you or I played safety for Ohio State, like honestly, the like not Ronnie's job, not the adjuster, not the nickel safety, the uh, bandit safety, where you're in the box a little bit, you don't okay. have like the same level of coverage responsibility. Do you think Ohio State would still win this game? Because Absolutely. I, I personally never, ever say yes to these questions, but I'm thinking to myself, I think we could win this game. Absolutely. I know how to tackle. Like, I'm like not you'd scared have to, to tackle. Me, That's the thing. You'd have, to, you'd have to give me like a week to like warm up. But, like, I know how to tackle. I could do it. Uh, and they don't have any good players. And Evan Hall, all you have to do is hit him. And he's gonna yeah, fumble. Don't get me wrong. Now, it's am still, I gonna have a gonna great game? I'm not gonna grade out as champion, but like, I could do it. I could do it. Blitz me off the edge a little bit. You know, fill the gap. It's one game. Like, yeah, yeah, they'd win. Yeah, that's how. I mean, honestly, if you really want to get into how much we respect Northwestern, we just put ourselves in the game and we still think we'd win. So, honestly, li- listen, listen, we could hey, win the we, game. But oh, we yeah, Ohio State still has Omega Ibuka, Marvin Harrison Jr., CJ Stroud on the other side of the ball. That's exactly I'm what I'm saying. saying. We could Put win the game with me running back. I'm yeah, yeah. I'm not I, running. Yeah, I don't think I could win a running back. I, they, I could win the game at running back because I'm not afraid to pass block, and I could get three, four years. But with behind this offensive line, I'm not breaking nothing big. But I, I played running back before. I'm not going to fumble. I'm going to get four or five yards of carry because Trey is going to get fucking 12 yards of carry, and Mayan's going to get eight. So I could get four. <laughs> like, four, like, it's going to be old school, three yards in a cloud of dust. Like, yeah, I could do four. Uh, I'm not going to fumble. I can take a hit. So I'm not out racing yeah. nobody, but yeah. Yeah, I, I think I could catch I could catch a few hitch routes. I don't know. CJ Stroud throws the ball for you. I'm pretty old now. Like, I feel it yeah. physically. Every day. I, I'm not, I think yeah, defense I'm not would be my pre- best bet to to add to the team. I'm not even going to pretend I could play wide receiver. Like, even, like they could, they could literally like handicap me and just like I don't even have to run the route. I just have to stand like a trash can where the ball <laughs> is supposed to go, and I'm not sure I'm catching half of them. And CJ Stroud's throwing a rocket at me. Like I'm not like I'm not that I'm not that confident in my abilities. Um, but my my fingers, back, yeah, my fingers like hurt when it's cold out now because of how many. <laughs> balls I've caught in my life. So, like, I don't know if they could just get back into it. This, but hand, yeah. hand me the ball. Don't throw me nothing. Yeah. <laughs> give me Tommy Eichenberg. I'll jump in, get some assisted tackles. <laughs> Maybe knock a ball is- out. Use my instincts. The instincts never go. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. I know how it's to just sometimes. Sometimes the body won't, won't be able to cast a check. Yeah, for sure. Like, I mean, like, will I end up in the hospital afterwards? Ah, maybe. I probably would, <laughs> but, honestly. 
but it'd be worth might it. Have a, yeah, absolutely. This it's team is bad, guys. It's just... I will say... There's no, there's no uh, other way to put it. They get me a couple times in coverage, I, I'll be honest. I'm not going to say they wouldn't. They'd really have to help me over the boundary, honestly. I'd be covering the flats. That's it. That's all you got. Give me the seam curl flat. Take it out. I'll be an eraser. Uh, but yeah, all all, all uh, non-real scenarios aside, I, I don't. I'm not excited to watch this game. Mm-mm. Because uh, this is like okay, and this is like before we get to the presser bullets. This is a game where like literally can only go poorly for Ohio State. Like, there's nothing good you can take away from this game. If they run the ball, it's like, well, they did it against Northwestern. If C.J. Stroud throws for 450 yards, eh, well, they did it against Northwestern. But C.J. Stroud throws a pick, throws for 250 yards and only one touchdown. We still win by we 35. Still win by 30. <laughs> I was just about to say yeah. we still win by 30. <laughs> but now people are mad about it. So it's like it, there's the only way this game is accepted by Ohio State fans probably i'm not speaking for everybody i'm just saying in general because we know how it is on twitter uh unless it's like 69 70 to zero uh they won't be happy like the offense is gonna have to score every single drive and, and the defense is gonna have to hold the shot i need another defensive touchdown just do it yeah, honestly, I don't know if they will because I think they're going to be so good at stopping them and tackling them that they won't be able to throw the ball in the air. And Evan Hall's going to fumble. Fumble six. Hey. I, I won't, I won't I look, say it I need won't to look up, I need to look up his stats because maybe he, like, fixed it, but he fumbles so much. I want to. Like, I need to see if he fixes it because, like, he doesn't lose all of them because, like, nobody does. But like, that that kid fumbles more than any running back I've ever seen. Also, here's the biggest problem for them. And again, I've avoided watching Northwestern, so maybe it maybe they fix a couple of things. Although I doubt it because you know they're still pretty bad. Um, against. Uh, Against Nebraska, he was literally having to jump cut behind the line of scrimmage to get yards. Almost every time. Because there was there was um, penetration every play. What is Mike Hall, Tyreek Williams, like what are those, Jerron Cage, like what are those guys going to do to this interior offensive line? Yeah, honestly, as long as Ohio State isn't lazy on Saturday, they'll be fine. They just they just have to show up and like by show up I mean ready to play and it should not be any any questions regardless of weather circumstance. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so this blizzard can help Northwestern. Like, yeah, no. Uh, you, you know that uh, you know that um, I can, I always forget what movie it's from, but you know um, even if we win, even if we win, uh, that 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 skit is like God himself could come down and say I want like um, you don't know that skit. Uh-uh. Um, it's so fun. It's a, basically about an overmatched opponent. They're like they say that they have. 10 sweetest doctors like it's just this coach is trying to like hype up his team um i'm gonna send it to you afterwards and 
I, if you can put it in this, that would be great because it's very, very good. But like that is Northwestern in this game. Like uh, it's yeah. funny. Like I just, I really want to pause this. I, we're not going to. This is extra. I really just want to pause it so you can listen to it, so you can comment on it because we're gonna miss that part of it. But it's, yeah, it's just bad. And all of these, all of these stats are wrong because they're saying he has zero fumbles, and I watched him fumble with my eyes multiple times. Yeah, I mean, so people, they just don't track fumbles, I guess. That's what it looks like. Um, yeah, I think I'm good without talking anymore Northwestern for the rest of this season at the bare minimum. Maybe longer. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't do the Nebraska game where he fumbled multiple times, and it says he has three fumbles on the year. But he fumbled two or three times again. You watched that game. Am I tripping? Did he not fumble two or three times against Nebraska? I felt like the ball was always on the ground against Nebraska. Yeah, maybe it wasn't just him. There were a lot of fumbles in Ireland. It was it was looking very rugby like, which makes sense. Yeah. Uh, I can't believe they they've won one game this year and it wasn't even in the United States. All right, what else we got to talk about today? Uh, we've got a lot of uh, press stuff, uh, but uh, the next thing we're going to talk about, we're going to take a break now. Uh, running out of pistol. Uh, why does Ryan Day continue to do it, and will he change? And I'll have the answer for you after the break. Back in everybody is your host uh, Chris Perini, joined by Jordan Williams. As always, I gave you a little 2020 news uh, story break into that advertising. Thing. That might be my new thing. We'll go super newsy with it, and then we'll just go from there. Uh, it's a pretty early break, but I just feel like the rest of it kind of flows together a lot better. Like the first half Northwestern, second half all Ohio State stuff. So. Um, Ryan Day explained himself a little bit this week with the pistol formation and the tendency. And he even joked about it, like saying, hey, maybe we should run more out of the pistol if four out of the five runs were effective. And, you know, like that, it's like something that shouldn't upset me, but it did a little bit because I'm like, hey, you're going to run out of pistol. Everyone knows you're going to run out of pistol. You never run out of the shotgun. You only run out of under center. You only run. And, you know, we, we've talked about it. They have other stuff out of those looks that they just never do. And then he's like, pistol. The reason we run out of pistol is because the running back can run to the left or to the right. You can't tell pre-snap. But the issue is they either run a split zone or they run a wide zone. So you pretty much could guess before the snap. And that's why it made me upset. <laughs> here's the here's the problem. He's not wrong, <laughs> and it's like I understand why he does it. the The thing he just doesn't understand is like like throw the ball. <laughs> like that's it. Yeah. Just like just throw it's the not, ball. Yeah, it's less the run. It's less like you could just run wide zone. You could just run split zone. It's that you don't throw it ever. And what do you do? Like, it's a long play-action pass. We've seen it before. I remember last year there was a really sick play out of it because we were already talking about this, like, midway through the season. 
And he did a sick like play action pass. It was a touchdown to Chris Olave because guess what? And I think I, this is what I'm hoping. I'm hoping he's playing 5D chess again. Uh, but I know this isn't true. And he's going <laughs> to dial one of those up in the big one. That'd be great. But like he could do it before that as well. And we would accept that. Yeah. But yeah. So like breaking down the scheme, like it does make sense. The run, you know, getting multiple directions with the pistol, you know, shotgun, it does give away. And then I thought about this, right? The pin and pull is a same side run from the shotgun. So if you have outside zone going one way and you have the pin and pull going the other way, guess what? You also have a two way go out of the shotgun. So why can't you run those plays out of the shotgun? Oh, and they do that little power toss. So there's three options out of the shotgun. It's, listen, man. It's, it's literally Ryan Day thinking years, he's smarter than everyone, and he's not. Two years in a row against Penn State, it's looked like that. Um, and, yeah, it's just it's interesting. It's interesting because you think that – and get, don't get me wrong – I, looking back at the game, there were some plays where they did run it successfully and they were just like a block or two away. So it makes it a little bit more frustrating when they keep running plays because the scheme's not the scheme is working. It's just not getting blocked correctly, which then in turn means it's not working. But like if you get that one block by Matt Jones, oh, hey, that wide zone's there. Oh, if you get that one block from Cade Silver, oh, the bubble screen probably gets nine to ten yards. So we're going to keep seeing these plays consistently out of the same looks, and it'll be up to Ohio State to execute because that's the only way they'll be successful. Yeah. It's like, yeah, sure, you have better players than most, but, you know, other people have better quarterbacks than Sean Clifford. So you really just can't get down on that. Like, it's just like, I don't know. I think the thing, because I'm trying to think of quotes, and I don't know if you have this one on here. He mentioned why he was doing the bubble screens, and it's like, oh, the, yeah. essentially it was like the run game wasn't working, so you want to spread out the defense, get them out on the edge and things like that. And I just feel yeah. like Ryan Day understands the dictionary definition for things, but it, he doesn't know how to, like, like – in practice, yeah, it seems like he doesn't sometimes know how to, he doesn't know change. how to like improvise sometimes because it's like, yes, the dictionary says if there's too many people in the box and you have a one on one on the outside and you have good athletes, a bubble screen should work. Like that is what it says in the book, in the football dictionary. But when you when that is not working, you can't go to what the dictionary says. You have to know what's actually working. And it is not that's not working. So yeah, you have to do something else, like throw a slant. I was so di- I didn't get a chance to talk about this, but I was so disappointed because I thought Ryan Day finally started calling slants, and then Marvin Harrison Jr. comes out and says, "Oh no, CJ was CJ was changing the play in my route at the line of scrimmage," and it's like so Ryan has still hasn't figured out how to throw a slant. It took his twenty one year old quarterback to see what the defense is doing and be like, "Hey, run a different route," which great yeah. for CJ. That's going to look great, like some. NFL coach is listening to that interview like, okay, that's a check for CJ. But, like, what are you doing? Like, he understands the – like, he said, okay. But it's just like like Ryan Day. There's seven people in the box. 
It's not going to work. I, I'm okay. I'm okay with the bubble screen. You know, I, I think the one issue I had with it was like it felt like all three bubble screens thrown to Omeka Buka were all blocked differently. So how do you think that's going to work for the players when every single time you run a bubble screen, it's a different setup? Because maybe Cade Silver motions inside and Omeka Buka is the middle guy. Maybe you know. Uh, they're starting in trips, so you got two receivers out there blogging for a mechanic buka. Like there are a lot of like things that go into it, but it didn't feel like like with Penn State, they were attacking with that like quick show screen on the outside, and it worked because it was simple blocking. And then you Parker Washington knew who he had to beat. He ended up not getting tackled, but you know what I mean. Like it was a good, successful five to six yard screen that turned into more because it was simple, and the blocking scheme was simple. So. It's like, I don't know. That's why I was like, the bubbles, I get it. You had numbers. You have two blockers. You have one guy to beat. It makes sense. But you had so many other places you could attack that weren't the run game. And we saw what happened when they started pushing downfield. Guess what that did? It got the defense on their heels, and then Travion Henderson busts off a 41-yard run. Simple. It's just crazy how how like when you switch things up and you like run things at the right time against the right looks. And that's why like I just like I I really try to like toe the line of like not making excuses and things like that. But I really don't think the run game is that bad. I think the calls are that bad. Stop running into seven man boxes. We run inside when we should run outside and we run outside when we should run inside. If you got into a rhythm running the ball, if you actually understood how to run the ball, we would be good. The blocks are that, but you can't block. You just you can't block a seven man box. Like you you can't. And no. if you can, you have and, the best offensive line in the freaking world because you don't block seven man boxes. I get it. Like there's that. Like you want that seventh man to be the person the running backs beating in the in the lane or in the hole. But a lot of the time, if you don't block the other six perfectly, how are you? How is that going to work? Then you got two or three guys on the running back. And that adds, like, they're paid a lot of money to be better than they are. But the the other thing with that, there are different types of seven-man boxes. And sure, you could say that there were six blockers in there, but their seven-man box was stacked up where, like, essentially, for most of it, there was two linebackers and a safety inside of the tackles. So your tight end, who is on the outside of the tackle, is not useful. Like, you're not getting up to those guys because they're too packed in. If you have a seven-man box where a safety he's overhung and you can take him out of the play by running away from him or something like that but it's not just a seven man box they were blitzing all of them too so they're beating you to the snap they're not standing there and reading they're running towards you as well and they're playing man like it's not it's not just the number of people although typically you don't run in the seven man boxes in general it's how they're playing it you can't get to the block if they're blitzing like what are you doing and Penn State did a great job of slanting uh, different directions on each play, like not just playing to the motion of the offensive line. And that changes the count immediately, and that's something that needs to be evaluated further. And, yeah, you know, it's like I have no issues with any of the types of run plays they do. It's more so the timing of them. Uh, what they're running against. I would like to see a wide zone to the field. Wouldn't that be nice? Every once in a while. 
or like a, or like a legitimate stretch, like not a zone, like a legitimate, like which you can do out of pistol. And I think I don't know. I don't think we tried it like a legitimate like you're running outside the tight end and with Trey. And with Trey, because like sure, if they slant, they may tackle him in the backfield. But the 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 landmark on a stretch with a fast running back, you should be able to get outside of that if your offensive line is blocking at decently yeah. at all. So like, do a legitimate stretch. Yeah, it's it's really. I, I think, and that's why it sucks this game because. You know, Ohio State's running game's been struggling. I, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna say it's probably gonna look pretty good on Saturday. So it's just you got to build up this momentum and this confidence in it. So when you play a real defense, like I, I last week, you know, it kind of reminded me of like the Master Teague Trey Sermon rotations a little bit, where it's like, man, it just doesn't feel like they're getting it done, but they're right there. They're really close to having it hit, and I'm just really hoping at these next few weeks or where Ohio State takes that next step for the sake of everybody. Yeah, for the sake of my sanity. I just had a uh, feeling yeah, that so, this was going to happen because Ryan Day was so dismissive anytime you asked him about, like, run tendencies and self-scouting. Yeah, and it's, the, it's like we're not doing anything wrong type of mindset. It's like – yeah, you're not doing anything wrong. It works 90% of the time because you're just better than 99% of football teams. But that doesn't mean you have to be not creative. And it's been something we, we've been talking about a lot for like two years now. So, yeah. Out of this nowhere, uh, it might be a trend at some point that we need to really discuss. And I, I think it goes back uh, – I did look it up. Tony Alford's a run game coordinator. Uh, Justin Fry, the offensive line coach. They've added a few things, but when it all comes down to it, they just run the same three concepts they've been running the last, like, four or five years. Basically. And honestly, like, aside from the fact that in general they do need more gap scheme, there's nothing wrong with the concept. It's just when and how you call it. Like, yeah. like the bet. Like, I hate complimenting a rival, but that team up north doesn't have a complicated running game. They just they get to their the same runs in different ways. And you don't have to be as dedicated to them because you also have to work on the pass game. But you could get to the same run in different ways. Yeah, with motioning receivers around, you know, motioning your tight end across the formation. Uh, I actually, like, Ohio State ran wide zone into the boundary like four or five times. And I guess it kind of got a little frustrating watching it because it didn't work. But it, it did work the Mayan Williams on where he broke his fingers. But uh, Michigan kept running there. They run it from the shotgun. They run like a little bit of a, a stretch zone that way. And they ran that three or four times. And guess what? They had two incredibly long touchdowns against Penn State with that look. So, like, the concept isn't the problem at all times. But it's that you line up with that weird trips to the boundary and you run into it. So, And if everyone knows when you're running, it doesn't matter what you run. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? Let's mix in a pass on third and one. Something. Or just yeah. a different run. Yeah, yeah, something. Or a bubble screen. No, I'm just kidding. 
Uh, all right, let's get into the press conference. I, like I said, I felt like the guys talked a lot. You know who was not very engaging was Brian Hartline. I'm starting to think Brian Hartline hates talking to the media. Uh, absolutely. Uh, he was. It was very quick. It was very businessy. He very much did not go into detail on anything in particular. Uh, except Kate Stover. That was pretty funny. Everyone loves Kate Stover. Yeah. Same with oh, uh, Sam Wiglass. Before we get into the uh, the uh, the presser bullets, I got an email last night, and like I said, I'm an FWA member. I've probably mentioned it quite a bit on the show, uh, but I got a vote for the Maxwell and the Nergurski Award yesterday, the semifinals. Uh, so Tommy, uh, the Tommy train. So yeah, if. Uh, and I, I, I did remain unbiased. I did. I took everything into consideration. Uh, I wouldn't have been a better man than I. But they, it, Tommy was my my number one. Uh, I I had uh, Stroud, Corum, and Hendon Hooker for my Maxwell finalist. Those three. Um, and then a defense. I had. Jair Brown, Tommy Eichenberg. I feel I feel like it was a defense alignment. I don't like. I can't remember who the third guy was. I was between five or six people for that third spot on defense. First two were easy. Yeah. I just like Jair Brown. That's cool though. Yeah, he's, he's yeah, it was nice. weird. Just threw a survey monkey. So that's how college football awards are voted. And that's probably a bad thing. <laughs> there's probably a lot of people on there who haven't watched like any games and just like, I know this name. To be honest, and this is like, I make fun of people all the time for that week. I have a problem with that. Like, you know, man, these beat writers don't watch all the games. I'm like, man, I actually don't know like seven or eight of these guys on this list. So I had to look them up because I had to do my journalistic due diligence to make sure I wasn't but- missing anybody crazy. At least you did it. And that's actually why the defensive one came down to like five or six people for that third spot. Probably just voted Jack. Probably just voted Jack Campbell because I like Jack Campbell too. Keep it in the big ten. He's a he's a pretty good guy. Media bias. But I did vote for people I watch, so I think that's also fair. It's absolutely. Again, at least you watched him. Yeah, and the finalists, though, I'll take that a little more serious now. Now that I know I'm a voter. Didn't get a Belenikov vote. That would have been a tough one for me. I don't think I could have done it. I don't think I could have done it. Yeah, man. Okay, so mm, uh, between Emeka and Marvin is hard. And then you, I mean, I'm not super impressed by him. I think he's getting schemed open, but you probably have to do the guy at Tennessee. Jalen Hyatt. Hyatt. Yeah, he's a freak. Yeah. And then, I mean, Charlie Jones is up there. I mean, you could probably do. Is Charlie Jones, a dude from Purdue. Yeah. Um, he's, he's cooking. Yeah. That might be my three. Emeka, uh, Jalen Hyatt, and Charlie Jones. That's a good yeah, group. There's a. There's a guy. Is it TCU? No, I don't think his stats are that good. They TCU's don't got often. a good guy. You're right. Yeah, but his he's stats always 
Quentin Johnson or something, I think, like that. He didn't have a catch through, like, three games. That was crazy. So it couldn't be him. Um, There's definitely some people for sure. The Doak Walker Award, I don't think any of the Ohio State running backs make it for me. Mm, I'm giving that Uh, to Chase. Yeah. Yeah, Chase Brown. I was Sean Tucker was on the list before Brandon Joseph tweeted about him. Sean Tucker has not been having a good year though. I would go yeah. Chase, I would go um Blake Corum, and I would go um Texas. I, I don't know why I'm forgetting his name right Bijan. now. Yeah. Georgia's main running back's been pretty good this year. Um Jameer Gibbs. There there's like good running backs. I'd wanna I like it's hard because I, I I pride myself in watching a lot of G5 football. It's just like it's it's hard, you know, taking that level into like the serious consideration for like award voting. Yeah, because it's sure. like, yes, this receiver has like thirteen hundred yards, but it's like it's in the conference USA. Yeah, like uh, Sam Wiglas, former Ohio State walk-on, his numbers are crazy, but like he's cooking. He's, he's, playing out, he's playing at Ohio. Like, yeah, he actually got uh, Heartland got asked about that, and then yeah, yeah. The last thing on the media side, because uh, I've been actually a big day journalist this last like three days. Uh, book off pod officially journalistic. Um, the media teleconference man for the college football playoff show, and I don't like to knock other people. But holy crap, there's a lot of national writers in that call, and not a single one asked about a team outside of the top seven. (laughs) There are 124 other college football teams, and there are 20 or 18 more teams ranked. And it took a USC or an LA beat writer to ask about UCLA and USC, and then someone from the Chicago area asking about Illinois. That's sad. It was only 30 minutes, so there wasn't like a, a, a lot of time to get questions in, but come on. They don't care. we got to really. be better. Which is why be they better. only ever talk about the playoffs. And I'm like, you realize yeah. that there's, you know, 150 freaking teams. There's not really, but still, might as well be. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was that was a tough listen. Uh, it, it was funny. Uh, a few people, I think it happened to Nicole Auerbach, it happened to Heather Dinich, it happened to a couple of people where they asked a question and then tried getting a follow up. And, and the operator is savage. Man, you do not get a follow up. So you better ask it the first time. Once Booth finished his sentence, his last sentence, it's on to the next question. Hmm. And it's Boo, it's not Boog. Any reporters listening to this, it is boo. Like, I'm scaring you, boo. Not boog like a booger. Oh, man, that was frustrating too. But it was fun. It was cool. Uh, I was nervous. I was like really nervous that I wasn't on mute at times. I gotta watch my mouth a little bit more sometimes. <laughs> uh, but. Yeah, let's get into the press. As 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 a newfound uh, award voter, somehow, uh, I don't know why they entrusted that honor to me. One day it's going to be the Heisman. I don't know how I'm going to get there, but I'm gonna I'm gonna put some I'm gonna put some votes in. Maybe maybe next year uh, we're climbing. But presser bullets. I, I I I'm getting 
I, I don't know. I, I like talking about this stuff, but sometimes it's like, like they're not into this game. They're not into this game either. Mm-mm. So it's like, that's why the Sam White Glues question was such a fun question for Brian Arline, because they're like, yeah, like that is fun. And that was the answer. So, uh, yeah, one of the 11 Warriors, I think, wrote an article about him, and that was really cool. And like five Buckeyes went down to see him on Tuesday. Uh, Marvin, Emeka, uh, somebody else that I don't know, Ross, Mitch Rossi. And, like, two other, I think, like, walk-ons or something. But they went down there on Tuesday after practice to watch him play. Yeah. Man, in his last game, six catches, 131, two touchdowns. Ball representing. Honestly, Ryan Hartline, man. Top to bottom. Like, where where do you think Sam White Glues was in the the uh, pecking order for Ohio State's receivers? Somewhere at the bottom, like eight nine, but like kind of there, like above the freshman right now, just because he's been in the program. But like, if it really came down to it, Caleb Brown or Caleb Burden or oh, Keon Gray's are actually going to play. Yeah, if it came than, down to it, yeah, lower than Xavier Johnson. Uh, and now he's the number one receiver at Ohio. By far. <laughs> like, maybe the best player on their entire team. Maybe the best wide receiver in the entire MAC conference. Yeah, so that's that's the uh, that's the development you get. If you get invited to be part of the Ohio State receiver room, it's, it's best for your future to just join it. Because even when he transferred, Jameson Williams, Sam White Lewis now, same category to me. Yeah, especially because he spent four years there and he has another year of eligibility. So it's like he does this again. That's a draft pick. Yeah, I, like, I'm surprised. I, I'm preferred. Not, I was going to say preferred walk on. Uh, camping, uh, training camping, but yeah, I'm surprised Tom Brady's not reaching out. Listen, he's definitely, not, definitely going to. He's on the radar. <laughs> a Mac white guy for Tom Brady. You're telling me that's a possibility. He gets next his new Julian, Julian Edelman. Next Julian Edelman. He, he's under six foot. I mean, it's it's all there. It's all that's made in heaven. Um. Yeah. All right. So let's get into what Ryan Day was talking about. Uh, let's start with Mayan Williams's health. Uh, Ryan Day. I think what we got to do is stick to the policy with the injuries. Once I start going down the road with one person, then I start getting asked about everybody else. Uh, but then he added, "It's not serious." So he pretty much. Didn't describe the injury, but he did exactly what the reporters wanted and told him that it's not serious. Yeah, I'm fairly positive he broke his finger. Yeah, and that is like, I think, yes, it sounds tough and breaking a finger. You know, there's I don't I don't think people realize how many times in like basketball and football in like sports with contact, how often fingers come out and break. It's like, yeah. Have you ever seen a retired defensive lineman's hands? Offensive linemen are worse. There's uh, Anthony Munoz, I think it is, uh, Hall of Fame yeah. offensive lineman. His pinky literally is at like um, like a 60-degree angle, 90-degree angle, 90-degree angle. It's actually probably like 83. Like it's not fully, but it's literally bent out. Like it's bent, and it stays that way. Like, it, that it, that he, it, yeah, it's just – 
So mine, it, it, it's probably gonna hurt. He's probably gonna have to like do that buddy tape on it, but it'll be survivable. Football players are tough guys. And Mayan Williams' whole bread and butter, butter is toughness. So I'm sure we'll get to see the rest of them. Yeah. The big, uh, and I, 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 yeah, you got it. The biggest thing for him is can he carry the ball? There are other positions where, like, yeah. you, it's you easier. You probably couldn't play receiver with a broken finger, like, right after it broke. You could play almost any defensive position. Yeah. Denzel Burke did. Yeah. Uh, but he only missed the game, and that's probably because he got pins in it to, like, straighten them. But, uh, yeah, honestly, Mayan Williams might have got pins in his fingers. Like, it's not a long-term thing. Like, it's quick. It restabilizes them, and then you pull them out, and then you're good to go. But it still hurts. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, boy. Yeah. yeah that, that finger is not good. Nope. Uh, it's not well. I'm surprised it still circulates blood, honestly. I, I'd have cut it off. It's a pinky. Yeah. I'd rather not have it. Uh, next on the list, Ryan Day uh, said it would be really nice to get Dallin Hayden and Chip train him some reps. We mentioned that earlier. Uh, yeah, I agree. It would be nice to get Chip train him some, some reps. I want to see. I want to see him play football. He's one of the, like, fastest guys I've ever seen at his size. And that is what, and Dallin Hayden's fun to watch. I think Dallin Hayden's like a really fun running back to watch, honestly. Yeah, he's definitely one of those like, people should have just trusted that Ohio State was offering him like Mayan, but like it's he, maybe not to the extent, but he reminds me of Caden Curry and that he was just in the wrong state. Like, if he was in Florida or Texas or something like that, a lot of people would know more yeah. about him. But he was in Tennessee. He was Tennessee. Yeah, and I think it's definitely, I think, you know, him saying that, yeah, it would be nice. But I think he also saying that because he's like, thinking Trayvon Henderson's a little banged up. Mine obviously has broken fingers. So hopefully we can get out to a big lead and just ride the young guys and let them take a little bit of the beating for the game. Absolutely. Get healthy for the stretch run of Michigan and the teams that come next because the next few weeks are easy. Yeah. 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 It's it's definitely you want them probably to get in, get out against Northwestern, get in, get out next week. And then you just let them have a day against Maryland who can't stop the run. Yeah. And still don't know if Tulu is back. So that'll be interesting. Yeah. All right, next on the list, uh, on staying focused despite playing some lesser competition over the next couple of weeks. Uh, Ryan Day, he said, you have to continue to do what you're doing and get better every week. If you don't, not only do you show weakness, but you set yourself up for failure down the road. Uh, I agree with this mindset. It's hard as an outsider to get behind it because we both know that this game shouldn't be close, but... Northwestern still has players on scholarship. Maybe not all of them should be, but they, they, they snap the ball. Ohio State needs to take every opponent serious as much as we joke. Like there's not, there'd be nothing worse than having Northwestern hanging around in the third quarter, even if they end up winning by 20. I could just hear everybody saying things, and that's the weakness Ryan Day's talking about. He doesn't want to look weak in front of the committee. He doesn't want to leave any doubt. So I, I think they're motivated. I think I think that that. We move on this from like a macro scale. They're looking at every detail still. 
even though it's Northwestern. Yeah, this is a game where there needs to be uh, five or six touchdowns in the first half. Yeah, I, I want it to look like the Michigan State game last year. Hmm. Ideally. All right, what else we got? What else we got? Um, the gushing about Cade Stover. Um, this was – I don't think I've ever heard Ryan Day talk about a player like this. Uh, listen, Cade was unbelievable on Saturday. It was his leadership on the sideline. Uh, I mean, he never wavered. He was right there. Any team in America is going to want to play a player like, like Kim. And then he went on about like, man, it was such a good play by him. Everyone was like breaking three tackles, getting into the end zone, like the termination. Like, Kate Silver is him. Absolutely. And I Absolutely. say that, like, like he is going to have – he is a Bill Belichick dream. He is a Kyle Shanahan dream. He is a coach who loves to use tight ends as fullbacks, his dreams, because he is going to move to the next level, and he is going to be a weapon for a football team. For sure. Like, it's, it's just like the thing that I like we talked about it last week. Are you telling me, like, I'm not saying he's going to reach that ceiling, but are you telling me he can't be George Kittle? You're telling me he can't yeah. be, um, the, I keep forgetting his name, but the, the tight end for the Ravens? Like, that, like he's them. Like, a good it, tight end like, who is shockingly, like, agile a little bit and can, make big, and can make big catches. Like,. He's hurdle people. He's hard to tackle with the ball in his hand. He is like that stereotypical modern H-back NFL teams love. You know, that like, he's get out catching passes. Like, he's probably a little on the shorter side for a true tight end in the NFL, but he could do a lot of things. For sure. Like, I mean. He's obviously like, a willing blocker. At worst, is he Jack Doyle? I, I can see it. Uh, I'm trying to think. There's, like Jack Doyle never uh, reached the full, like, you know, obviously George Kittle kind of thing. But Jack Kittle, uh, Jack Doyle was a great run blocker. He, like, I mean, a stupid amount of, like, first downs on his catches was in the league forever. I mean, like, maybe not a well-known yeah. guy, but the, the people that know him know him. And his retirement really hurt yeah. the Colts. Yeah, like he's definitely probably not going to be ever be a Darren Waller, Travis Kelsey type, where he's just a six four third receiver on the field. But hey, you know, uh, when three coaches talk about a player in one media day, and one of them's a defense coach, that means this guy's pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and he's hurdled the person. He went full on Marshawn Lynch. I don't know. I think the emergence of oh, and we all saw. You saw the stat I tweeted. Cade Stover's got more yards in less games on less catches than Jeremy Record. And I know it, it's there's like a few things that go into it. Justin Fields ran more. Uh, Jeremy Record was probably schemed against more by defenses. But Cade Stover has taken advantage of his opportunities, and I think he's he, he could push that 500-yard, like, 50 catch for a tight end mark, and I, I fully believe it. 16 catches, if they play 15 games, I think he gets there. I think he needs to get there. Yeah, I could see it. Put his name in the history books. He deserves it. Yeah, I want him to get a few more touchdowns. I like when he scores. When him and Mitch Rossi score, it just feels like everything in the world's right. Hmm. Like, I feel like every team has that guy, too. 
where you're just like, all right, we got him in the end zone. It's been a good day. And honestly, never mind. Not every team. Some teams just think if we get in the end zone, it's going to be a good day. Honestly, if we get so, into the red zone, it's a good day. That was very much talking from like um, the the top of the castle there. <laughs> Thinking every team has the guy where they just love to get him in the end zone. Yeah, no, that's not true. Not every team has that. Uh, next on the list, uh, they were talking about, uh, I think this was Knowles actually, and no, I think it was Ryan Day. It doesn't matter. They were just talking about how big of a deal it was for uh, JT Tuomalayu's performance, grading out as a champion, being the defense player of the week, you know, all that stuff. The guys went nuts. Certainly one of the most historic games in college football. I guess it's not an exaggeration to say that given what he did. I, I, I think sometimes in the moment it's hard to, like, gain perspective over what a player just did. Mm-hmm. But – that was an absolutely all-time performance, you know, that JT did. And, you know, on the way, like, if this if the season ends up as Ohio State fans want it to, this will, in fact, be one of those performances that goes down in history for everything. I mean, even if they don't, we still remember Indominus Sue. Like, I think this yeah. is a performance that's going to age well. Like, th- like it was. It's nuts. It's it's honestly like the beginning of his career story in a lot of ways. Like, five star recruit, his coming out party in a huge conference game on the road against Penn State. It, it's just it's like one of those stories that is supposed to be written about a player like JT. Yeah. I mean, I'm just like, personally, I like, I know he's going to do great things. He's going to be a great player, first round pick, all of that kind of stuff. He could never do anything ever again. And I'll remember that game for the rest of my life. Yeah. Um, I think it was today. Uh, they were talking to the media and they asked him, like, like, what are the expectations that like, are like people are going to expect that from me every week? And he's like, yeah, I know. And, like, that's, like, he's – it happened. Like, remember when Chase Young came onto the scene, he had, like, 10 sacks as a sophomore, and then that next mm-hmm. year he just was in, insane. I think we're getting to that point where Chase Young was starting to be insane at the end of his sophomore year. Yeah. And now uh, – what did Bobby Boucher say? It's insano mode or whatever. Like that wrestler uh, he followed. Okay. Yeah. And it's, it's crazy because, like, there's four games left. He's probably not going to do it. I predicted 10 sacks. He's probably not going to do it. Although he has three in, like, two games. So, like, if he kept that pace, maybe. But it's definitely, you know, he's, 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 having, the, he's having the sophomore breakout that we predict, predicted. Yeah. And he's doing other stuff well. He his his run defense can never go unnoticed. He's getting hands in passing lanes. Like two two interceptions is insane. And then he caused a third interception. Yeah, and one game. Like, come on. I don't think that's going to be his last either. Honestly, remember when JJ Watt was at his peak in the NFL? He was doing that type of stuff. Like. That's like the closest I can think of a person with the athletic ability to do what JT did. And his was just kind of like pure dominance because he was nowhere near the athlete that JT is. Like, he's just, I don't know what that man was doing, but like, 
man, I'm just I'm just excited that it finally happened. Like, you know, obviously you can't project something yeah. like that all the time, but he's really starting to figure it out. He's had a great year so far. He just wasn't getting there, which is some of the things that we've talked about and stuff. And just now it's like, yeah, like he's stepping into his own. Yeah, now you just need Jack Sawyer to take that leap and you got your three five stars leading the way. Don't get no better than that. And also, I don't even think it's Jack's fault. Like, Mike Hall emerged. You know, Tyleek's been pretty good the last few weeks. It's like, he's always around. He's just not getting there first. Yeah. I think it's just like, uh, that's just, you know, we talked about it. That's just the the game. You know, it's hard to get sacks now. It is, truly. But um, Yeah, and teams know they have to get the ball out quick. Very, 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 very quick. But it's still there. Like, the metrics are still there, and they're getting there even more. And the sacks are probably going to start coming just like the the takeaways have uh, started coming. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, All right, Jim Knowles talked. Oh, yeah, no, this is just building on that. And Jim Knowles, he's coached, what, 40 years now? Uh, He said it was the best defense performance he'd ever seen by JT in every phase of the game. Yeah, because I had great run defender sacks, uh, uh, hands in the air, batting down balls, interceptions, pressure. Um, like, yeah, what and did he do? Knowles was in the ACC with like some of those early Clemson defensive linemen. He coached in the SEC in the early 2000s. Like, he's seen some great players. But I think that's just a testament to what uh, JT did on Saturday. Yep, it's, I mean, no way about it. It's historic. Just yeah. truly is. And then, yeah, I, I I just put this one in here because Knowles also didn't. Knowles is starting to get the Ryan Day memo where it's just we don't say much in these. So uh, I think he just he talks talks about. They, I, say, I think he talks when they ask good questions. They just don't always ask good questions. Yeah, like, yeah that's what true do you, too. What do you think about this player? Um, they ask him player, about the big like, plays. <laughs> They asked him about the big plays. He's like, "Yeah, we gave up too many." What did you We're think gonna he was going to say? Like, yeah, like, yeah, uh, yeah. And he gushed about Lathan Ransom some more. He is one of those guys that never shows fear, never shows frustration or fatigue. Has the ability to run through a wall and not be faced by it. I think I know what Jim Knowles looks for in a player, and it's the ability to run through a wall. And not be faced by it because think about and all the best players trades. on the defense. Yeah, Tommy Eigenberg, he could run through. He could probably run through two or three walls and not be faced by it. You know, remember, remember Spider Man when the the uh, I think it was the Andrew Garfield one was coming out and they had Rhino in like the mm-hmm. preview and mm-hmm. he was running through like eight walls. That's mm-hmm. right. Like Tommy Eigenberg's that guy. Hmm. And then he oh, just got him afterwards. When when Tommy Eichenberg uh, was asked about that like missed tackle, he said uh, he couldn't sleep after the game because he missed that one tackle. And they're like, "Yeah, you had a good game." Like, and he just grunted. <laughs> that's that's very. The Tommy train is just um, is it's just it's getting dangerous. Honestly, yeah, we should probably you know, slow it down, but we can't. Uh, sparks are flying. Um, we're extreme sport athletes now on the Tommy yeah. train. 
Like people are like paragliding. Like you know on cruise ships how they have like that parasail that goes up. Like we've got yeah. that on the Tommy train now. It, it's turning into a luxury. It's trained for daredevils, honestly, because it's getting dangerous. Yeah, I, it's to the point where if Tommy's not the number one pick of the draft, I might get a little mad because people aren't respecting Wait. Tommy enough. There's knife throwing. It's like why 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 do you have knives on a on a train? You know? Yeah, you don't. Can't Brad answer that question. There. It's a bullet train. <laughs> That's funny. I was gonna say uh Tom Cruise is on top of it fighting somebody. Hey, Brad Pitt and Tom Cruise are on the Tommy train. <laughs> Everybody's on the Maybe Tommy not train. Tom Cruise as much. We can't have Tommy getting infiltrated by uh, Tom Cruise, but he's there. He's on top. The, he's trying to Tom, get in there. The Tommy train is so legit. Tom Cruise is going to change his name. Yeah, he has to. He's now Rob Cruise. <laughs> Tim Cruise. Yeah, he, he lost his O because Tommy Eichenberg is too legit to quit. Ah, uh, that kid just dropped a wide open touchdown. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's get let's let's close this out with some business. I, I've got nothing else from the pressers. Um, what can the viewer learn from this Ohio State game versus Northwestern this weekend? We'll leave on a serious note. What can you learn from this team? I think it's one of those things that just so. So if you look at so I'm actually really surprised that the media has been like pretty understanding and like on the right track because they're typically like trash with this. I think it's going to show that Iowa has a good defense and Penn State is still a good team. Like it's not that Ohio State's been playing bad and this hasn't been good. It's just like they played some good competition and they still beat them by over, you know, two touchdowns, two scores. But now when they play a team that is not that they're going to destroy him again like they were before. Like I, I think it's like Ohio State hasn't taken a step back. And I, I know there's not many people who think that they have and things like that, but you have heard that, oh, they didn't look as good as I thought, and like those kind of little things. And it's just going to – I think it's going to, you know, more solidify that, yeah, they played some good teams. They figured it out. But it's still Ohio State when it against scrubs. And so there are things to work on, of course when they play the better teams, but the bottom hasn't fallen out, right? They're just trying to extend the ceiling. Yeah, I agree with that. So for me and you, we're not going to learn anything, but like some people might learn something. (laughs) Yeah, I I think it's a game it's really hard to evaluate what you actually take away. So when I I watch a game against an overmatched team, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about against Toledo. We talked about against Arkansas State, you know, what we talked about before the Rutgers game. Like, you just don't want to see stupid mental mistakes. You don't want to see fumbles. You don't want to see false starts. You don't want to see jumping off sides. You don't want to see, like, dumb pass interference penalties. And you you know the difference. You know the difference when it's like, all right, well, that probably was a 50-50 call and you probably shouldn't have made it versus – Oh man, what were you doing there, guy? We we saw a few of those against Arkansas State specifically, and you just can't have penalties. You got to be. This is where you learn. This is like where great teams separate themselves. If you go in, you take care of business. You win this game like fifty-six to six. You leave no doubt for anyone to nitpick at this game, and that's yeah. what I want to see. I want to see if they are a Death Star or if they're like you know, it's like. I don't know. I don't know a comparison. Like, what's the opposite of a Death Star? It really is anything. 
I just want to see if they're a Death Star. Like, that's what they yes. called Georgia last year. Go. And it, I, I want to see them obliterate uh, Northwestern. And, like, you know, there's going to be some sloppiness. It's going to be a hard game to get up for at 11 a.m. local time. But I, I just want to see them not make the stupid mistakes. Uh, yeah, I'm with that. This just clean football. CJ Stroud's out in the third. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a good way to judge it too. How early CJ Stroud's out? Like, I don't uh, want to do that. Like, ah, we're not playing well, so we're gonna get into the fourth thing because mm-hmm. I'm just not happy with it. Type thing. No, get out in the third. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's just one of those games. Uh, you just want to see him take care of business and not make mental mental mistakes. That's the only thing. Like players, they're young; they're gonna make mistakes. It's the mental ones. It's the it's the ones that like grind your gears. I, if Ohio State walks away with this game with 15 penalties, I think it's a failure. Yeah, but we're not gonna do that. We haven't done that all season. Yeah, so that's where I'm at. Uh, that's what you could learn. Uh, you could learn about other teams. You could learn about Ohio State. Uh, and we're going to learn that Northwestern's terrible. So get ready to learn that. Uh, all right, final thoughts and a score prediction. Anything else you want to add to the show before we head out and leave these guys until tomorrow night? Yes, I'm going to reiterate what I said, what me and Dante said on the I-70 football show. Save your relationship. Don't watch this game. Surprise your significant other with brunch or breakfast or go, you know, I don't believe that Christmas starts in November, but like go pick out some Christmas decorations or something. They're not happy that you spend noon to midnight watching football games. You don't need to watch this one. Leave in the morning. Get back for the 330 SEC game, uh, Tennessee versus Georgia. Go save your relationship. Don't be like us who are going to watch this game because we have to podcast about it. Go go live a life, a fulfilling life this weekend. Yeah. And if you're not in a relationship or not working to cover the game, just appreciate it. This is my final thought. You only get three more regular season games, two more like ones where you could probably relax through them. And then it, it, all the games matter. Like every game matters, but like soon enough, you're gonna miss the the Northwestern game at noon when it's March next year. Yeah, um, absolutely. Already, up. Wanna... already missing it. Hasn't even happened yet. Yeah, I don't want to think about it. God, I saw college basketball writing, man, like about a game, and that that really put me in a bad headspace for a little bit. Not because I'm not excited for college basketball, I'm more so just. I'm not ready for it because football season's here, and I don't want football season to be over. I'm not excited for college basketball. Yeah. You know what? I lied to myself. But the Cavs, the Cavs. I'm excited for the Cavs. They should be in the playoffs this year. Hey, as long as they're number one, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be talking about them as early as possible. <laughs> it's November third. I'm gonna keep talking about them until they're not first place, and then. My front runner will show, but uh, yeah, honestly, you know what? Oh, I'm still a Cavs fan. I was there for the whole rebuild. I had to put up with Colin Sexton. I earned <laughs> this. Uh, but yeah, without that, uh, what's your score prediction for the game? A lot to nothing. I'm gonna go forty-eight to three. Forty-eight. That's it. No. 
Is that the, yeah, is that halftime score? <laughs> yeah, no, it's probably like a mid third quarter score. But then you know in high school when teams are getting like blown out and they do a running clock. <laughs> it's basically going to be that, but like more of a gentleman's agreement. Ohio State scoring sixty. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean, like they could. I, I just don't know if they're just gonna bury a team like that, like Northwestern. They're gonna do it on accident. Like, <laughs> if they like Cal McCord throw, it'll happen. I mean, they like it's happened before. I, I mean, it happens all the time. They're gonna have thirty. I'm, I'm telling you now, they're gonna have thirty points by half. Yeah, no, I think you, I, I think it could, if. You think they score? They don't score the seventy-seven they did against Toledo. That's also another way they could do it. Like Chip Traino in the third quarter running the ball is gonna want to get in the end zone. Absolutely. So the second line's up to it. I think they'll yeah, be fine. Absolutely. But yeah, I think that's all I got. What we kept an hour thirty. That's that's usually the goal. We usually go over it. We did it this time, and that's because Northwestern sucks. Yeah, and we spent half of it talking about other things. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I, I really, really think we're we're going to be in for a a magical show from the receivers this weekend, and that's that's where I'm going to leave you guys with. It's going to be incredible. Bucks by a million. Yeah, we'll see you guys next week or after the game. I mean. Yeah, go on Saturday.